morning, Senior Pastor. How are you? Good morning, Pastor Ho. Doing great, doing great. Excited about the lesson, too. Oh, this is a wonderful lesson and so appropriate, especially with everything that's going on in the world. I think uh, this brings about a focus, especially for the church, um, as to where our efforts need to be. Um, the, the title of the lesson is The Kingdom Advances, um, and we're going to learn how through different obstacles, through different challenges, the kingdom just continued to advance, and it is so doing today. Uh, we're going to, we always do, divide it into three sections. Um, the first section is believers empowered to witness, and we'll find um, the supporting uh, scriptures are Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and verses 36 to 41, and Acts chapter 4, verses 9 through 13. Um, the second section is going to be called Persecuted and Growing. <laughs> Persecuted and Growing. Wow. Uh, Acts chapter 7, verses 54 through 60. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 23, and verses 34 through 44. And finally, into all the world, into all the world. We're going to explore a little bit about the Great Commission given by Jesus to his disciples. Um, Acts chapter 16, verses 9 through 10. Acts chapter 18, verses 1 and verses 9 through 11. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. And Acts chapter 28, verses 28 through 31. Now, we're going to focus on how um, the explosive growth of the early church, um, how it, it just exploded and it grew. And um, we're going to try and see how we can commit to carry out the great Mission. Now, in Acts chapter 9, verse 31, it says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, were multiplied. I love that. Wow. Right? They yeah. were edified. They were walking in the fear of the Lord. And they were comforted uh, of the Holy Ghost. And because of that, they multiplied um, those different criterias um, as they were moving through, as they were being persecuted. Um, when we see that when Jesus appeared to his disciples following his resurrection, he informed them that their central purpose from this point forward was to spread the gospel to the entire world. Spread the gospel to the entire world. That was their central purpose. The first motivation to do, to do missionary work does not come because of humankind's sinful condition. The principal purpose springs from the direct command of Christ in Mark 16, verse 15, where he says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, every person. 
Regardless of how the world's population responds, the main issue is to obey Christ's mandate to go, right? We don't need to be thinking about who says this or who says that or, you know, those individuals who are not responding to the gospel. It it has nothing to do with their response. It has to do with the command to go. During his three or more years of early ministry, and let me actually add to that. When you're preaching the gospel, when we're preaching the gospel, we're not looking necessarily for thousands and thousands of people to respond. We're just there to preach or to teach the gospel. That's it. That's our command. It's up to the Holy Spirit, Spirit. right? And and, and we're going to see. It's up to the Holy Spirit, right? And, and, And it's up to the people to respond. That's it. The Holy Spirit, uh, as, you, as he works through the vessel to speak and to preach the gospel, to teach the gospel, then the individuals, the hearers of the gospel, now must respond. We cannot control the response of an individual. We are just there as a vessel of the Holy Spirit to speak and to teach. And that's something that we must learn. We cannot look at the crowd. We cannot look at those individuals who don't want to respond, who don't want to hear the gospel. Some may may even try to shut you up. But Mm -hmm. nevertheless, if if God is with you, if the Holy Spirit is working through you, you ought to speak because you are an oracle. You are a vessel. You are his mouthpiece, and you ought to speak. Do not be discouraged. But stand firm. Uh, during his three or more years, Jesus' three or more years of earthly ministry, Jesus not only met countless personal needs, he carefully prepared the way for the establishment of his church, his kingdom on the earth. When asked in Matthew 16, verses 13 through 14, who would the general public thought him to be, Jesus' disciples mentioned John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Jesus then asked who they believed he was. Peter quickly responded, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon that rock of revelation and confession, Jesus declared, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. Now, what is the church, or who is the church, or what does the word church mean? Well, the word church is used exclusively in the New Testament and comes from the Greek word ecclesia, meaning called out of or called out from. Called out of or called out from. The church is comprised of people God has called out of sin. Jesus paid for our redemption with his blood and certified it by rising from the dead. The church will continue to expand until he returns in glory. 
because mm-hmm. it has been purchased with his blood, empowered and directed by the Holy Spirit. So what an opening, what an introduction uh, to the working of the Holy Spirit and giving a background of how the purpose that we have can change the world. And not only change the world, but change our lives. And that's what we are in the business to do, to change our lives, to change our lives. So when we speak, when we testify, when we encourage, you don't know the words that you speak. You don't know how changing it can be for someone. And so we ought to speak as the Holy Spirit gives us utterance. Um, we're going to turn it over to you, Sina Pastor, our first segment, Believers Empowered to Witness. Right. And um, just going back to the text from Acts 9, verse 31, Pastor O. A lot of people are concerned, worried, when they don't see multiplication or growth. And it is true that the church needs to grow. But the answer was given in Acts 9.31. When they were edified, when they were walking in the fear of the Lord and comforted by the Holy Ghost, multiplication or growth took place. And I just wanted to get that in for sunshine, that we need to be edified, We need to all walk in the fear of the Lord and be comforted by the Holy Ghost. There is nothing that overcomes you or you're going through that the Holy Ghost cannot give comfort to you because that's why when he went back, he sent the Holy Spirit. And if we are looking for multiplication or growth, all of us have a role to play. Now, if you're on a team and if you're supposed to score goals and you're not scoring goals, or you're, you're, you know, in the baseball thing and you're not doing your role or whatever, because not everybody will score goals, but you have a role to play. Somebody pass the ball so that the scorer can get to score. So we all have a role to play, and we need to rise up and play our part. Why, why are you called to the body of Christ? What is your reason for being a part of the church? And we said a few months ago, that is not to sit down, but is to work. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. And here we find that he empowered the believers to become witnesses. We must witness of the love, of the grace, of the salvation that he has given unto us. Now, question, who is a believer? And I pondered that. And uh, the nearest I could get to that is a believer is one who believes in Christ and is effectively serving him. And I just put it that way. One who believes in Christ and is effectively serving him through service in whatever role you're asked to play. Don't um, try to be a preacher if you're not called to that. Don't try to be a singer if you're not called to sing, although you can practice. If you're a musician, play music, whatever you're called to do. We are all believers. If you believe in Christ and you are effectively serving him, 
then you are a believer of Christ. Now, um, we find here in Acts chapter 1, and we, we're just reading verse 8, from 4 to 8. He said, Jesus said, but he shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and all over the world unto the uttermost part of the world. The commission is given unto us. And when we receive the Holy Ghost, he equips us to do that. What we find here for 40 days following his crucifixion, Jesus prepared for his ascension. And ascension means that he went up, he ascended. First through descending into the lower parts of the earth, he descended so he can ascend up into heaven. And then through his interaction with his disciples. At times, and listen here, at times, they recognized him, while at other times they did not. For example, we find in Luke 24, verse 32, that the, if you remember the Easter story, after he was crucified and they were going back home, uh, two men on the Emmaus Road, they were walking. And they were talking about the, what happened at the crucifixion. And um, Jesus walked alongside them. They did not recognize him. They couldn't identify him. And when he asked certain questions, they asked if he was a stranger to that area. And after he talked to them and he sat down and had bread with them, their eyes were opened and they admitted, did not our heart burn within us? Yes, my friends, when we meet the Lord, our eyes need to be opened up. I once was blind, but now I can see. We were blinded to the things of God, to the, his church. But now, after talking with him, accepting him, serving him, then our eyes are open up. And our hearts will burn within us. And we will get to that. Jesus had earlier promised his disciples that the works he did, they would also do an even greater work. And look at the work that he did. Open up blinded eyes. Turn water into wine. Um, raise the dead. And he says, we shall do greater works. Nothing. The sky is the limit when it comes on to the work of the Lord. There is nothing that we can do. Peter in his time, even his shadow brought back the dead. You know, so we can do the same work. He pledged them that he would not leave them alone in this endeavor, but would ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit. Verse 16. Now following his resurrection, after he came back from the dead, he met with them to follow up on this promise. 
And then he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. And this happened in the upper room as they prayed, and the Holy Ghost fell upon them. And we too need that promise. The promise is unto us and to our children, children. And every believer, every saved person is a candidate for the Holy Ghost. You ought to be striving, you ought to be seeking to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. He will give you power for service. And I remember very well the night when I got filled with the Holy Ghost after waiting for three years. And um, I couldn't wait that night. They were having a revival. Couldn't wait for the preacher to finish, to get to the altar. At least that's what I believe. I didn't have to wait really. But they were so strict that you don't interrupt in those days. And as I was praying and seeking the Lord, and my heart was in touch with heaven. And as soon as they called the altar service and I knelt, boom, like a bolt of lightning, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I remember that time very well, Pastor O. We had to walk about one or two miles from a Yoban Street downtown to parade to get the bus to go to our location at Maxwell Avenue. And I, my brother had a little box guitar, they used to call it acoustic guitar. And I played and sang all the way from downtown Ayoban Street in East Kingston, all the way to the bus stop and on the bus stop. And what a time we had that night, singing on the bus. Those days you could, you know. So um, we need to do that. Jesus told them not to attempt to do the divine work without the divine power. And this is very telling. Told them not to attempt to preach or do anything without the divine power. And children, this is very important. If you're going to pray for a sick and you don't know what's wrong with them, you have to be careful. If you're not baptized with the Holy Ghost, who can discern things. And it's demonic power then you could be in trouble, all right? But the, it's, the promise is to you as well. Jesus continued, for John truly baptized with water, but he shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days end. So we have two baptisms, baptism in water and baptism with the Holy Spirit. When the disciples seemed preoccupied with the restoration of the kingdom to Israel, Jesus informed them, that such mysteries were not for them to understand. Pastor Ho just said it a while ago. Our duty is to preach the gospel. Rather, their responsibility was to pray and wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which will empower them to be witnesses unto Christ. Beginning in Jerusalem and reaching beyond, the Holy Spirit empowerment for service brought a realization of God's presence a reproduction of his holiness and the reenactment of his power. Act 2 verse 4 says, they were all filled in the upper room now 
and divine manifestation and response took place. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other, with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 39, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly receive his word were baptized. And this is Peter now preaching on the day of Pentecost when they were in the upper room and there was this commotion or the commotion. People were speaking in an unknown language. And people wondered what happened if they were drunk or something. And Peter got up under the demonstration of the Holy Ghost after they all received him, including Peter himself. And he preached the gospel. And 103,000 uh, souls were added to the church. Now, we also know in this lesson that there, was, there were 120 persons in the upper room that were tarrying. 120 of Christ's disciples waiting prayerfully. But note, they were in one accord, in one place for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Suddenly, there came a mighty sound, an appearance of tongues of fire, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit accompanied by speaking in other towns as the Spirit enabled them. Now let me, let me just um, say to those who are here, because sometimes, you know, people don't have to be at church to receive the Holy Ghost. Whenever you're ready, you could be home baking. You could be home cooking. You could be home singing a song. And as you pray, the Holy Ghost is poured out upon you and you speak in an unknown language. Now, the only way we know that is to hear you speak in other tongues or an unknown language as the Holy Ghost enable you. And if this happens, come and tell us about it because you don't have to be at church for this to happen. The visible and audible manifestation of God's Spirit quickly drew the attention of people representing many nations, causing them both to marvel and to criticize. <laughs> they marvel, but at the same time, they were criticizing, oh, what God's people have to go through. On one hand, they were amazed at hearing the followers of Christ speak in their particular languages, which was the wonderful works of God. In other, they were doubters who claimed the newly infilled believers were drunk prompting Peter to stand and announce that this outpouring was the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy in the last days. I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. What a time the church had. Oh, yes, if we could get back to Pentecost. And um, where 3,000 souls were added, never happened again. You know, happened at that time. And 
There's no saying that it was just a one church that 3,000 souls were added to. I was thinking about this this morning. But they were from different areas. And 3,000 souls were added to the church. You have a local church and you have a global church. So 3,000 souls being added don't mean that, you know, they were added at one, one local church. We have a local church and we have a global church. But the, the body of Christ makes up the church and 3,000 souls were added to the church. The Holy Spirit work was a continuation of Christ's earthly ministry. Jesus taught that when the Holy Spirit would come, the Spirit would testify of him, the Savior. And this is precisely what God pouring up the Spirit accomplished. The disciples were emboldened to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified and thus began the mission to evangelize the world. Peter concluded his message with these words. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that same Jesus, whom he have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Peter's word brought conviction upon his listeners, prompting them to ask, what shall we do? Peter assured them that if they repent and were baptized in the name of Jesus, they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is a promise to all who will believe. And we have said that already. In response, 3,000 souls glad to receive his word and were baptized. And this was significant of a greater harvest to come. Now, note what happened here is that the Holy Spirit inspired them and gave them boldness. Verse 10 of Acts chapter 4, And be it known unto you, unto all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom he crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, that this man stand here before you whole. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Oh, yes, people must know that you have been with Jesus. Your walk must be different. Your talk must be different. Your life must be different. There must be something different about you. In Acts 3, verse 6, Peter lifted up a lame man to his feet while invoking the name of Jesus. The jubilant recipients of healing then entered the temple, leaping and praising God. And this angered the priests and the Sadducees. Already offended by the disciples preaching the resurrection of Jesus, the religious leaders took Peter and John, cast them in prison overnight, and brought them to trial the following day. The first question asked of them concerning the healing of the lame man was, by what power? Or by what name have we done this? The boldness with which Peter and John, uneducated and untrained men, spoke, caused the people to take notice that they had been with Jesus. Listen, my friend, earthly possession and power may count for something, but material substance and worldly wisdom are ineffective 
in the deeply spiritual service of the Lord. Let me say that again. Earthly position and power may count for something. People brag. But material substance and worldly wisdom are ineffective in the deeply spiritual service of our Lord. You need it, but it doesn't matter when it comes to the Lord. The Lord can raise up anybody as he raised up these unlearned men, these fishermen and um, other, they work in other areas of society. He raised them up and they spread the gospel and they got the Holy Ghost and they were inspired and they became bold. I pray that the Holy Ghost will um, give us inspiration, make us bold, that we will face the enemy and speak of the goodness of the Lord. May our level of commitment and boldness to speak the truth cause others to take notice that we too have been with the Lord. We too have been with the Lord. Those seeking for the indwelling of the Holy Ghost or if your baby is dead and you need a renewal of the Holy Spirit, I want you right now to close your eyes and before him, ask him to fill you up right now in the name of Jesus. I command you to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes, and speak in tongues as the Holy Ghost give you utterance that you might be inspired, that you might be bold to witness about the Lord. For those who experience God's power, this place strength, take spiritual action and give spiritual instruction. Spiritual exploits abound today on every continent as we approach the return of Christ. The Holy Spirit moves us beyond our prevailing level of service and continually jolts our level of contentment. The Holy Spirit prompts the impulse to open our mouths boldly and give utterance to the good news that Jesus is alive, the devil is defeated, and God is in control, said Gerald Johnson. Praise the Lord. Get bold for Christ. Receive the Holy Ghost today. Amen. And may God bless you. All right, Pastor O, take it away. Persecuted, but growing. Persecuted, but growing. Amen. And we can actually... Um I might take the liberty and, and change that and and but to while, <laughs> persecuted while growing because the church experienced uh, severe persecution, um, especially under Nero. Um, and if you want to take the time to read how Nero persecuted the early church, um, it was severe, it was destructive, um, and many lives were lost, but we continued to grow despite our persecution. Um, and that is a testament to us. I often say that we, especially in, in North America, uh, we tend to feel as if we are, you know, in a state of persecution. It's, it's not even close to what the early church faced. I'm not saying that we'll get there. I, I, I pray that the Lord will, um, you know, put in his return before that happens. 
Um, but the early church went through severe persecution. Um, and there are some in the world that also go through severe persecution. Um, we are still blessed and fortunate here in the United States uh, that we do have um, or religious liberties and uh, or civil liberties that protect us. Um, just saying the name Jesus in other countries could have you killed or, or, or jailed. But we're fortunate here um, in North America not to go through those kinds of persecution. Um, anyhow, uh, Acts chapter 7, verses 54 through 60, um, it says, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And this is where we get uh, introduced to Saul. Um, while uh, re re recounting what happened to our beloved uh, Deacon Stephen. Satan has consistently used persecution against God's children to hinder the advancement of the church. We've seen it. And let me add to this as well, that um, persecution doesn't necessarily come from the outside. Amen. Sometimes you're persecuted by your own. In fact, Jesus actually went through that. He was persecuted yeah. by his very own people. So don't look for persecution to necessarily come from the outside. Persecution can come from within, by your own kindred, by your own brethren, by your own people. So you have to be aware of that. Um, because sometimes the, Satan uses weapons of warfare from within your own family, from within your own circle. Um, while Satan persistently uses deception to derail the body of Christ, he never ceases openly hostile actions against the Christian movement. Satan's goal is always the same, the destruction of God's work. Satan's goal is always the same, the destruction of God's work. Stephen, one of the first deacons, publicly declared the religious history of Israel beginning with Abraham and ending with a censure of the present leaders whom he called betrayers and murderers. When the godly Stephen announced that he saw Jesus in heaven standing at the right hand of God, his accusers stopped their ears, cast him out of the city, and savagely stoned him. As Stephen lay dying, he asked, 
Jesus to receive him, while at the same time praying for the forgiveness of his executioners. And this is a lesson for all of us, that even though people may persecute you, even though people may say um, ill about you, may drag your name in the street, may say all manner of evil against you, learn to forgive. Let me say that again. Learn to forgive. It is important for all of us as Christians to learn to forgive, just like Stephen did. Stephen was being executed, and in his execution, he asked for forgiveness for those who were executing him. Wow. How many of us would have that kind of faith, that kind of resolve? to pray for your enemies, to pray for your executioners, to pray for those individuals that talk bad about you, that spread rumors about you, you know, things that are not true, things that are ill, things that would totally mess up and devastate your your life and your livelihood. Yet, like Stephen, we ought to pray for forgiveness for these individuals. When the godly Stephen announced that he saw Jesus in heaven, while at the same time, you know, as he laid there, he prayed for forgiveness. That's something that kind of stayed with me, and I pray that those that are listening uh, make sure that you have a heart of, of forgiveness. Now, in Acts 8, Uh, verse 1 through 8. I'm going to read uh, just verse 1. We see the effect of persecution. Um, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Uh, We learn here that after Stephen's burial, Saul pursued and captured Mm -hmm. professing believers and had them committed to prison. Now, when many believers fled Jerusalem to save their lives, they first went into the neighboring cities of Judea and Samaria. And the places they entered, they preached the word. So while they were fleeing persecution, they were preaching, they were teaching, they were spreading the word of God. Persecution drove the followers of Christ into cities and villages to preach the gospel, where otherwise they might never have gone. So you see the the effect of persecution, right? They would have been um, centered there in Jerusalem, right? But because of persecution, they fled Jerusalem, and they started going into these remote areas, into these towns, into these villages, into these cities, into these different areas uh, that would have possibly never heard of the gospel. But this is what I'm talking about, how God uses uh, tragedy, how he uses these types of events uh, in human history to spread the gospel and to advance his kingdom 
So because of this spreading, Samaria heard the gospel. The Ethiopian eunuch uh, received Christ and shortly returned to tell the story in Ethiopia. The word began reaching into Caesarea, um, Phoenicia, Antioch, Cyprus, and beyond because the enemy was persecuting. Satan was trying to persecute, trying to thwart. Uh, the work of God. And because of that, instead of damaging the kingdom, right, God mm. used his methods, Satan's Amen. methods against him to spread the gospel. Now, if they had not been persecuted in Jerusalem, how long would it have taken the Jewish Christians to embrace their Samaritan neighbors or establish Christian communities outside Israel? It could have possibly taken generations to do what persecution did in a short time. So we should take courage that if we feel that we're in a place of persecution, um, what I call a place of spiritual discomfort, we must recognize that God might be using your situation to advance the kingdom of God, to bring somebody into the fold, that would, that would not have normally heard about God, but because of your efforts, because of your smile in the midst of your tragedy, they are seeing something different about you. And they are saying, you know what, the God that you serve, I want to also know. And uh, we, we, we have to uh, have a, a sense of resilience and a sense of purpose when we're going through uh, what we're going through. Uh, now, in Acts chapter 10, verse 9 through 23, um, and 30, uh, verses 34 through 44, we look at the initial growth. And I'm just going to read two verses, from uh, verses 34 and verses 44. It says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of the truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And verse 44 says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And now we're going to look um, at the initial growth. It says, it is evident that Satan's attempts to derail the nascent New Testament or the nascent New Testament church did not go as planned. His attacks only contributed to its rapid growth. Now, according to uh, Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 8, Cornelius, a praying Italian centurion, praying Italian centurion, received um, instructions from an angel of God in a vision to send to Joppa for Simon Peter, who was lodging in the home of Simon at Tanner. Interestingly, even as Saul encountered Christ on the road to Damascus in his first step to becoming a minister to the Gentiles, God was likewise preparing Peter to be the channel through which he first opened the door to the Gentiles. As Peter prayed on the housetop of Simon's dwelling, he fell into a God-induced sleep. I like that. Falling into a God-induced sleep. That's probably what happened with Adam. Uh, Adam fell into a God-induced sleep. So when, when, he, when you fall into a God-induced sleep, something is, is going to happen. Lord, Help us to fall 
into a God-induced sleep. And as he fell into a God-induced sleep and saw a sheet lowered three times containing all manner of creatures, the Jews found detestable. Now a voice said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter responded that he had never eaten anything common or unclean. Because Peter was a Jew. Even as Peter wondered as its meaning, Cornelius Cornelius's entourage arrived at Simon's home seeking the apostle. And I want you to listen to this. God never intended to limit the message of Jesus Christ to the Jews only. God never intended to limit the message of Jesus Christ to the Jews only. When Peter encountered Cornelius and heard his testimony of how God appeared to him, he saw more completely that God is truly no respecter of persons. God can use anyone for any reason he chooses, right? As Peter preached Jesus Christ to the people Cornelius had gathered, the gift of the Holy Spirit, as Senior Pastor talked about earlier, was poured out on them, as had happened to the disciples in the upper room. Peter heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Jewish leaders of the church had to acknowledge that the Gentiles had received the same gospel and the same Holy Spirit they had received. The good news was for everyone everywhere. And I'll bring it up to date. The good news is for everyone everywhere. The good news is for everyone everywhere. And I, I would encourage those who are listening to go back and and read that wonderful story um, in Acts chapter 10 um, to recognize that, listen, regardless of who you are, the gospel is for everybody. Senior pastor into all the world. Right. Amen. Yes, 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 yes. And this is our commission. This is the commission given to the church. Not to get rich, and not only to the church, but individuals as well. Because the church is made up of flesh and blood members united by covenant. The church is not the building that we go to worship on, on Sunday or in the week. The church is us. We make up the church. And the commission is given unto the church. When, when they got this commission from Jesus, they were not even in a building. They were on a mountain. Call him and appoint them to come to a mountain that he chose and gave them the commission according to St. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, which says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So this can tell you that that's what we are supposed to be baptizing. I refute those who tell you about you must baptize in Jesus' name only. Jesus' commission here is that go, written in red, as Brother Campbell would say, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And we find that same in our text in St. Mark 16, verse 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So have we been playing that role? That's the commission. What are you doing? What are you doing with the message? And some people think you have to be preaching like Paul or Peter. No. The message is Jesus saved. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And um, I remember, I think I told you this already, when I was a little boy, downtown Kingston, parade and coronation market for those who are familiar with Jamaica. There was a lady. She was um, an Adventist. And all she would say with her Bible, I encountered her many times, her Bible in her hand. And all she would say is, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That was her message. Never had an encounter with anybody. Never wrestled with anybody. All she did, seven days a week or whatever time she came there, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So the message, the commission given unto us is to preach the gospel. And what is the gospel? It's the good news of salvation. It's the good news that there is a Savior who can save you, that there is a Jesus who died for you, that there's a Jesus who was resurrected and that there is coming back. And if you don't repent of your sin, you're going to go into hell. You know, so you need to repent because there's two roads. It's heaven and hell. And if we are walking with Jesus, if we believe him, if we are working for him, if we are living for him, we will go into heaven. If you're not doing that, then you're going to go to hell that is prepared for the devil and his angels. And what I see here in this lesson, we have two stalwart pastor O. You talk about Peter, who preached on the day of Pentecost and who spread the gospel. Here's another stalwart of the gospel, and we mention him and preach about him, you, who used to persecute the church. He was there when, when um, Stephen was stoned, and he consented to the death. But here he met Jesus, or Jesus met him, you know, on the road to Damascus. And he got saved and he was involved in the spreading of the gospel. And in Acts 16, we're on the reading 6 to 15, but we're on the reading 9 and 10 for the sake of time. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord has called us to preach the gospel unto them. He can wake you up in the middle of the night. He can give you a vision about somebody that needs saving grace. We need to listen to what God is saying. Let God work to you. Let God tell you what to do. Let him reveal to you somebody who needs to be saved. You're, you're looking to the pastors alone to do it. No, everybody must be an effective witness of Jesus Christ. If you are saved any at all, don't tell me about, 
Oh, pastor, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do that. And I'm slow of speech. Get off of that. Open up your mouth. Let him fill it with words. Paul had now become an effective instrument to the Gentiles. And let me pause here to say that um, as Peter was the overseer to the Jewish people, Paul became overseer to the Gentiles people, you and I. After Paul and his company passed by Mysia and came to Troas, he saw a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and crying out for the gospel. When the Sabbath day arrived, Paul and his companion were outside the city where believers gathered to pray. Outside the city, they gathered to pray. That's another way we spread the gospel. Here they met Lydia, a devout woman from the city of Titeria. And um, this area, they said, was famous for expensive purple dyes. And um, Lydia was in this business. And um, although she was a proselyte who believed in the God of Abraham, she apparently had little knowledge of Jesus Christ and the message of salvation, just like the woman at the well. Lydia listened intently to Paul's message and was baptized. When you accept the message, when you receive Jesus, the next step is that you must be baptized in water. And so she did that along with her household. She became the first documented convert to Christianity in Europe. Lydia, first convert in Europe. And welcomed Paul and his company to lodge in her house. God opened a new door to this remarkable woman. Then we also find Paul um, continuing the spread of the gospel, continuing his second missionary journey at Corinth. And a lot of things happen at Corinth. Um, chapter 18, Acts 18. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. And Crispius, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing, hearing believed and were baptized. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. May I say to all the ministers here, our twin duty is to preach and baptize. To preach and baptize. You preach and you baptize those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people have schools in their church, and as people believe, they baptize them. Now, some people have theory that they must be taught before that. There is no scripture for that. They believe they were baptized and they were taught after that. You know, Corinth was a major city of Europe lying at the southern tip of Greece. And this city was notorious for its pleasure. Um, arbored by two arbors, bordered by two arbors, one on the east, one on the west. And all traffic passed through it. Corinth lay steeped in paganism with this temple dedicated to the goddess of fertility. At Corinth, Paul connected with two believers, Aquila and Priscilla, you heard about them, who along with other Jews had been forced out of Italy by the Roman Empire. Emperor. Discovering that they were tent makers, and Paul too was a tent maker, he resided with them while flying his trade. Every Sabbath saw him teaching in the synagogue, trying to pursue Jews and Greeks. After Silas and Timothy joined him in Corinth, Paul experienced mounting opposition. There we go again. 
Every time we preach the gospel, there is opposition. And this came from the Jewish population. Those Jewish people, oh my Lord, the hostility became so intense. And note here that he came, Jesus came to them and they rejected him. The hostility became so intense that he shook his raiment and said unto them, your blood be upon your own head. I will go unto the Gentiles. Thank the Lord for that. He later became, as I said, overseer to the Gentiles. God instructed Paul in a vision to speak without fear, assuring him that no harm would come to him. In response, the apostle was faithful to God and remained in current, teaching the word of God for a year and six months. And um, we need to take a page from that, be faithful to God wherever he calls us. If you have to stay there how long to change the city, stay there until the message gets you. You're going to have opposition. You're going to have people who oppose. You're going to have leaders who oppose. But stay there and speak with holy boldness until people respond to the message. We are not alone because the Holy Ghost is surrounding us and he makes us bold. He gives us power for service. And he continued his missionary journey in Ephesus and in Rome. Tell us about that, Pastor Paul. Paul continued his journey in Ephesus and in Rome. And we find this um, Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6. And I'm just going to read verse 1 and verse 6. And it says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And as you see, as we're reading, you see this theme developing. Yes, this yes. theme developing. You know, that they receive the Holy Ghost, and then they start to speak, or they start to preach, or they start to prophesy, Right? Uh, Paul had now begun his third missionary journey, having left Antioch to travel throughout Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening and encouraging the disciples. Coming to Ephesus, he found 12 men who possibly were converts of the eloquent and able teacher Apollos, who preached the baptism of John. Now, these 12 men had received John's baptism of repentance, a baptism that announced a Messiah yet to come. They had not heard Paul's message that proclaimed a crucified and risen Savior upon whose request the Father sent to the Holy Spirit. And this just basically talked about, you know, have you ever been in a place, and, you know, there's just something about the person you're not quite sure um, but as you start talking to the person, you have these these common ideas, these common thoughts, common words, and and you you kind of stumble into another Christian, and you're like, oh, you're a Christian. I I knew there was something about you. So this is kind of what was going on here between these individuals and Paul. Um, in response to the lack of knowledge in these men of Ephesus, Paul instructed them 
to believe on Jesus as the Messiah, upon receiving the message that the Savior had indeed come, they were baptized in his name. As Paul laid his hands on them, they received the Holy, here we go, they received the Holy Spirit, spoke with tongues, and prophesied, replicating the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So again, this overarching theme of receiving the Holy Spirit and then now proclaiming and declaring the word of the Lord and, prof- and prophesying uh, about, about God and, and, and about the church. Um, and we find uh, Paul in Rome here in Acts chapter 28, verses 28 to 31 uh, verse 30 and 31 um, says, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house, received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God, and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ, with all confidence, no man forbidding him. The gospel had now spread from Jerusalem, had reached into Phrygia, Galatia, Asia Minor, and had made its way into Europe. And in Acts 19, verse 21, Paul declared his intention to see Rome. Later, in 20, chapter 23, verse 11, the Lord confirmed to him in a vision that just as he had preached Jesus in Jerusalem, he would indeed bear witness of him in Rome. The good news yeah. was for everyone, everywhere. And for two years, Paul preached Christ in Rome. No man hindered him. The word of the Lord had free course. The Jewish hierarchy may have prohibited him from preaching in the temple. Jews of the same persuasion, what we talked about earlier, sometimes your own kinfolk, Jews of the same persuasion may have thrown him out of synagogues and his own brethren may Mm. have falsely accused him. We talked about that earlier. But here in Rome, he had freedom to expound the truth without fear of reprisal. So sometimes in your own church, in your own city, in your own congregation, in your own family, in your own state, in your own country, you are rejected. But when you go somewhere else, they are so accepting. You know, they're like sponges, just soaking up what you're, what you're saying, what you're teaching, what you're instructing, what you're preaching. So sometimes you're going to be rejected by your own people. But that doesn't mean that you stop speaking. That doesn't mean that you stop preaching. That doesn't mean that you stop teaching. Sometimes it's going to require you to go somewhere else in order for that which God has given you to be made manifest. So it's important for us to learn these lessons that, that are being taught because we need to understand that God will use you in whatever capacity, even if he requires you to move to another area in order for his gospel to go forth. And you must be ready, willing, and able to move. Paul was a transient Christian. He moved from place to place, preaching and teaching and spreading the gospel. He, made, he availed himself 
to God. As God told him to go, he went. And so we must be transient Christians ready to go wherever God tells us to go. Now, one thing we want to make clear is that as you go, you need to have a home church, some place where you can replenish yourself, some place where you can be held accountable. Don't try to do it on your own. Have support. Have a supporting cast. Have a supporting church that will be able to support you not only financially but emotionally and, and even spiritually. Sometimes you're going to need guidance. That's why it's important for all of us to have a home church, uh, to, to be held accountable and, and, and to have a pastor, to have a shepherd over you, uh, to shepherd you, to instruct you, to teach you, to care for you, to even um, take the fiery darts for you. That way, whatever God has called you to do, uh, you will be able to do it successfully in his name, right? Uh, finally, we look at uh, Christ's growing kingdom. Now, throughout the book of Acts, and I encourage each and every one that's listening to read the book of Acts, uh, we see the kingdom of God in its militant stage continually expanding, meaning that it, there was a resolve about the early church. It stood firm, right, in what it was, in, in its purpose, in what it was called to do, right? So it was militant. It was ready. It was an army. Even though they were being dispersed and spread about, they were ready to go, and they were ready to preach the gospel as the Holy Spirit led them. Today, uh, we rejoice in knowing that uh, the church, which constantly wrestles against spiritual wickedness in high places, this is the Ephesians 6 principle, um, is successfully battling for the souls of humanity and will soon become the finished and triumphant people of God. And this is why we do what we do and all of us are called to go into all the world now sometimes we are not going to uh, orally be able to preach some of us don't have that gift some of us don't have that calling some of us don't have the the, the gift to pastor or to, um, to administer or administrate um, but whatever we're called to do, and it's, it's different for everybody because God needs, no, not needs, I shouldn't say that. God uses everybody, the, you know, your skill set, your ability. He has given each and everybody a purpose in his kingdom. And if all of us do what we're called to do, then his kingdom will advance. His kingdom will be successful because he's the one that has given that purpose unto us. So let us stay firm, stand firm. Don't let anything move us. We must always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord um, because we know that our labor is not in vain. And, and that's uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Our labor is not going to be in vain, but we must stand firm. And we must, um, you know, mobilize and do whatever God has called us to do. So we're going to pray for you right now. We're going to ask Senior Pastor to pray for all those who have been called 
who has a purpose in the kingdom so that the purpose that they're called uh, to do, that they will do it unhindered and that uh, they will find the strength to do it as the Holy Spirit uh, equips them to do in God's divine kingdom. Senior Pastor. Amen. And I encourage us, those who are listening today, I hope that you have been pricked in your heart. I hope you have been moved by the same spirit that the Holy Spirit that we're talking about. Note here that the Holy Ghost is important in a believer's life. Very, very important. There is, if you're truly saved, there is nothing that should end you from receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's a gift. Not only to you, but to your children and to your children's children. It's very important that we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Some preachers used to preach when I was a little boy that whatever hinder you from receiving the Holy Ghost might hinder you from going to heaven because they say you're going to need something to lift you up. I don't know if it is so, but that's what, how we were taught. I think what they were saying is that it's very important for you to have power to witness, power to serve the Lord, power for something to teach you, to bring back all things to your remembrance. And because sometimes you, you're doing a message and something that you didn't have in your message that the Lord needs you to say, the Holy Ghost just bring it back to you. So I encourage all of us today, those who have him, because the Holy Ghost is the third person of the Godhead. It's a him, right? It's a person, the third person. He wants you to be filled. And those who have him, and you're not using him, you're not utilizing him, you have allowed him to go to rest, I'd like for you to stir up that gift. Because it's very important, especially in these times, that we have the Holy Ghost Directing, he's directing the affairs of the church until Jesus comes back and the church will be handed to Jesus who handed back to God, his father. So it's very important. I'd like for you to take this very seriously. It's a serious message because we need witnesses. We need people to witness of the love of Jesus Christ. And you are not bold. You are shy. Because you don't have the Holy Ghost. God bless you today that you seek earnestly for this gift. Father, we come to you today. In the name of your son, Jesus, we thank thee for what we have heard. We thank thee for what we have read. We thank thee for what has been preached to us today. Oh God, that same spirit that you told the disciples to seek for. And on the day of Pentecost they received the blessing and they were such a blessing spreading the gospel. We pray today that you will bless everyone listening, those who are hearing today. I pray that if they have not yet received this blessing of the Holy Spirit, that as they seek you today, as, as they ponder today in their hearts, that the Holy Spirit will be upon them. As Peter asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost? Since you believe, help them to believe you today because this is the promise from the Father 
this is the promise that will help us to effectively carry the method of salvation. Give us holy boldness today to carry the method, to say Jesus says, to rebuke, oh, to take authority over the powers of darkness, over the rulers of this world. Oh God, you have set the Holy Ghost in the church to be the motivating factor. Oh, to motivate us, to stir us up to action. We need to be stirred to action. Lord, we are dormant. We are lazy. Oh, yes, but today we pray in the name of Jesus that he will stir up that gift in us, that hurt. Oh, yes, that those who panted, David said, those who panted to the water brook, so panted my soul after thee, O God. Help us to pant up to the things of God. Oh, yes, we are reaching for things of the world, and they are weighing us down. Oh, yes, we want, we want this. We want the house. We want the car. We want marriage. We want everything else except seeking for you. But I pray today that you will give us that urge to seek after you, especially in these last days. We need Holy Ghost men and women to carry the message of salvation. We won't last forever. We won't be here forever. Death could call us away. But I pray especially upon the young generation, oh God, that your spirit will be poured upon them as Peter and as Paul preach the gospel along with others, that they too will rise up and preach the gospel. We pray today, oh, we feel your presence right now. We feel the Holy Ghost right now. And we pray that they will speak in new towns as the Holy Ghost give them utterance. Oh, God, bless them today. Bless us today. Keep us today. We pray for those who are not saved, that they will acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. And, oh, God, we pray we are two days away from an election. So many things are predicted. Oh, yes. So many things that would seem like it's going to cause violence and crime. But in the name of Jesus, as your church and as your servants, we take authority over everything today and let your name be glorified. Even in this pandemic, even in this election fever, we pray that somebody will cry out to Jesus. Somebody will surrender to you. We thank thee today. We thank thee for the anointing. We thank thee for the blessing. And we pray that you will keep our minds stayed in you. Help us to focus our attention on you. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, we pray today. And we love you and appreciate you. Amen and amen.